You're listening to The Catalyst with Samantha Chris, where we explore the inner workings of embracing the unknown, from ordinary daily habits to extraordinary measures. Get ready, we're about to ignite change and inspire action. Welcome back to The Catalyst. Today I'm joined by Svetlana Chernenko, mental health advocate, activist, mother of four, and founder of Welcome to My Everyday, a nonprofit charity for those living with mental illness. Svetlana, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> Another crazy day, but I'm good. <laughs> Another crazy day. Okay, so yeah. let's, let's just jump right in because as an activist and an advocate, try saying that three times, it seems that you've dedicated your whole life to catalyzing change. So like, no wonder <laughs> another busy day. <laughs> uh, seriously, it's, it's been something, um, you know, I've literally did it. I, and it's true. I have dedicated my life to it. I made that decision five years, almost six years now. I made the decision to dedicate my life to uh, being an advocate, being an activist and creating change and be able, being able to leave an imprint, um, you know, in my community at the very least, you know, in my city, in my community that I love so much, I really wanted to be that person that was about the change, not just, you know, posting the best of life, but also posting the worst times of life and showing that you can get out of it. Mm. And you are an advocate for so many incredible causes. Can you share some of the ones that you lend your voice to? No, I lend my voice to, um, of course, mental health. Uh, LGBTQ plus community, uh, women's rights, uh, Black Lives Matter, it just goes on, for, uh, rights for children. I, I, I use my voice for many different platforms that I believe in or that have touched me dearly. And obviously, I think, you know, we think of that as being rewarding work, but doesn't that get tiring? Yeah, it's, it's extremely tiring at times, especially when you have your own life, your own family, you want to be able to show up for your family as well. However, when you're doing so much work out there for the community, sometimes it can be tiresome. And sometimes, you know, the kids are like, well, Ma, any time with you two or the husband or friends. But a lot of them have gotten the understanding of, okay, you know what, she's doing something good. She wants to change the community and we have to give her time and space. And it does. It does drain me at times. And I learned how to recharge my battery and how to take a step back to be able to come back and serve the community, but also take care of my family. However, I do get a lot of knocks on the door and I'm like, okay, I know that I have to take a pause, take a moment, and I can't answer everything. I can't always be on activist or advocate mode. I have to take a moment. Mm -hmm. I will say I know several people who look up to you, who are mentored by you, who are part of your group, who have been following your work with the charity. And, you know, for what it's worth, and I'm, I'm sure you know this, but a lot of hours, a lot of heart goes into what you do and people are just benefiting so greatly from the heart that you pour into it, the resources that you provide, the information that you give people, the conversations you're willing to start. I mean, you're seriously enacting major change. Like, how does that feel? I mean, sometimes I look at it and I'm just like, you know what, when I look back at certain things or times or when I'm reminded of it, because sometimes I don't even really look at it until somebody Give, tells me something they're like you know what Salon, do you see what you're doing do you can you imagine the wonderful work that you're doing like I received a text message from one of my besties and he was like I'm so proud of you you're, you're using your voice and you're doing the work that I always knew you were meant to do and then I take a step back and I look at it 
And I'm like, I am doing a lot of amazing things. And I sometimes I don't believe I give myself enough credit for those things. I'm just like in go mode. But when I do sit back to take a look, it, it feels good. It feels good knowing that I'm impacting people in a positive way. I'm starting conversations. People are coming to me and saying, you know what, you change, you helped me change my life because of this story or because you did this or you gave me the courage to do this. So it, it really does make me feel good. It's, it's actually the fuel that motivates me. So let's talk activism for a little bit and um, let's start with how you would describe it. Um, well, activism is standing up for, for me, it's standing up for something that you believe in, whether it's something that affects you or directly or indirectly. I believe just standing up for something that you strongly believe in, that you want to be able to be that change uh, for, that's what it is, is, is speaking up, not being afraid to speak up. Um, it's, it can be a scary thing because when you vocalize something and you stand strong for something, you're going to have opinionated people that are going to that you know what, I don't believe in that, or I don't believe in you, or I don't believe in what you're saying. And it activism takes a lot of work and dedication and courage to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to voice my opinion, and I'm going to accept the good and the bad that comes with it. And I take the bad as well. I listen to what people have to say, and I, and I try to understand where they're coming from in order to be the change. It's like, how could I change this person's mind? Or how could I, at the very least, make them see where I'm coming from. Yeah, you talk about changing people's mind. And I think that when we talk about change, it's something that is often overlooked is that people come to the table with ideas and preconceived notion and a history that feeds into their perspective of the world. And when we do want to enact change, we have to take those things into consideration because there's a lot of unlearning to do and, you know, as, as an activist, as an advocate who's consciously trying to shift the narrative, what do you find is the hardest part about either changing people's minds or, or you know, that shift in perspective? Well, for me, I think the, the most difficult thing that I've run into is you can't change everybody's mind. And I've had to release that and let go. I can voice my opinion. I can state facts even. And sometimes you just can't change somebody's mind on how they feel or how they think. However, as long as somebody's willing to have a conversation with me, um, even if it's a difficult subject matter that they may not believe in fully, just like with Black Lives, when I've had pushback, I've had comments on my social media posts, I've had phone calls, I've had text messages of people that don't believe in Black Lives Matter, or they don't believe in, in anything about the cause. They're like, well, why, is this, why should this be important? And I've said, you know, I would love to sit down with somebody and have an open conversation about why it's important and just give them a, a little bit of education to be able to take that with them and carry that on in their life. Over time, it may resonate with them and it may change their mind. However, I've realized that I, all I can do is leave, some, leave a little bit of an impression and imprint in somebody where I'm never forgettable, that I will be remembered and maybe at some point in their life, they'll, they'll create a shift and evolve from their old state of mind into a new mindset. I mean, that's the best case, right? Is that even if it's not immediate, that we've imparted some knowledge to help people kind of have that, um, at least be inspired to challenge the way they're thinking somewhere down the road. But, you know, given the fact that there's a lot happening right now, in particular with Black Lives Matter, there's a lot of conversations. I think there are a lot of people who have put their hand up and saying, yes, we need to change and are now faced with some of those um, tough conversations behind the scenes, whether it's with their family, with their workplace, 
in having to actually back up the fact that they've declared themselves as allies. And for those who are looking to shift the perspective of the people that they work with, of the people they may even, you know, share a roof with, and they're getting challenged and maybe, you know, they don't have the same experience as you, particularly as an advocate in being able to have these conversations with finesse, what is, you know, a way or a couple ways that we can not get so defensive or continue to push the conversation in a way that, you know, keeps dialogue flowing as opposed to shutting it down? Well, I think the hardest thing is when we have conversations with people and we have our preconceived notions already ready or we have our opinions, it already the defenses go up. So I always try and enter a conversation with somebody with pushing that aside. Let me put this down. Let me put my guard down. Let me put my preconceived notions. Let me come at you like I always give the example as a toddler, as a toddler who wants to learn and wants to just listen to everything you have to say. I come in that mindset so that I can accept what you're saying without being able to get defensive and have my guard up and feel a certain way. And I think that's important is if you know yourself and you know, okay, I'm not a racist person or I'm an ally for, for the Black Lives Matter movement or for LGBTQ or anything that you're an ally for, if you know you don't have that hatred in your heart that you want to learn, just allow yourself to learn without feeling defensive. You may hear things that you may not like. Maybe somebody might call you out on something, but rather than getting defensive, ask the question, why do you feel that I'm like this? Why do you feel that I haven't done this enough? And see what the answers are and have an open dialogue. That's the best way to be an ally is the defense is down. Just have a conversation. And it may be a difficult topic, but if we already have those guards so high up, it's going to be impossible to have a good dialogue and it's going to be impossible for that person to be a good ally. And I also have to say for people that are trying to get more allies, we can't come at allies with all of this information and and shove it in their face and be like, well, you know what, you have to do this and you need to do this and you haven't been doing this and you haven't been doing that. We can't do that. So I think it's a, it's a give and take in these conversations. I love that. And it's a good lesson. I mean, in life, really, <laughs> to, to move mm-hmm. any conversation forward, <laughs> to get the buy-in, to build community, to really stand united. We need to have that open dialogue. We need to have a mutual respect for each other, for opinions, which is not to say that we agree, but to not get defensive and to hear the other person out, I think is um, a good first step. Are you ever, or have you ever been deliberately you know triggered where you're speaking with someone and they are trying to ruffle your feathers they're trying to get you upset have you ever had to defuse kind of a conversation that way oh yeah i mean (laughs) even just (laughs) i'm like wow girl recently even when the whole movement of black lives matter i was triggered just on comments uh, a particular comment on one of my posts my open letter about you know all that black lives matter and it was just an open letter to the world and why and when that was my first recent trigger, you know, and that was just so like in my face and everything that I tried to diffuse or answer or explain, it just like continuation. Let me just continue to jab Svetlana. Let me just continue to get her on this. Let me say this. And I was like, oh my goodness, is this really happening to me? Am I really? And I was trying each moment. And this was not even a physical conversation face to face. And I wish it would have been because I think I would have been able to diffuse it faster. 
but it was just those, you know, those particular words and, and just pushing the envelope. And I'm trying, I found myself trying to explain something and I'm like, Lana, why are you trying to explain something to somebody who's not ready, nor are they open to receive the information you're giving them because their defenses are so high because your post triggered them. It made them uncomfortable. They had to take a look at themselves. And it's hard for people when they get triggered by something and they have to look at themselves, people's defenses automatically go up. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a step back from this. I'm going to walk away and leave this one alone. And I'm going to come back to it at a later date. But it, it's difficult when you know somebody's trying to trigger you. When it's a face-to-face conversation, I have an easier time. I read people's body language. I look at them and I'm like, okay, you're insecure or this is bothering you because you're uncomfortable with this. And I learned by watching them and their body how to pull, pull back because it's hard to read a comment and know what the person is thinking or how they're feeling in, in its entirety. But when I'm face to face with someone, I'm like, okay, I can pull back like this. Let me diffuse it by saying this. Let me ask questions. Let me make a little joke and pull back but it's not always easy and honey I get triggered often and I have to like (laughs) woosa walk away (laughs) I'm not perfect (laughs) no I mean none of us are none of us are you raise a really good point though the fact that there's such a huge movement happening right now there's social media that is really helping to raise the frequency of this conversation but so much must be getting trapped or lost between the cracks or kind of lost in translation in cyberspace because we do like we're lacking that that connection the ability to pick up on nonverbal cues the the safety that comes with being in the same room and the i think the extra care that goes into helping someone else feeling that they are heard is lost on social and so while i think that it has certainly helped to rally momentum do you think that we've you know is there anything to be said about the fact that there's like a ton of these conversations happening on social which are just may not be helping i listen there's a lot that aren't helping like the comments um it's it's getting worse i ask people i'm like listen if you want to say something you want to ask a question ask the person to do a live uh get on a facetime call with them if you know them do a zoom meeting see somebody face to face because some of these comments are extremely ignorant and a lot of these comments are very selfish as well. I received a comment recently. I was actually on my TikTok and I was like, really? Are we going there? You know, and I couldn't believe the, I'll tell you what it, what it was because I was mind blown. Well, he, this person said that they didn't believe that those police officers um, that uh, murdered George Floyd should have went to jail. He's like, instead mm-hmm. of focusing your attention on there and protesting, you should focus on educating the black community and making sure that the fathers don't leave their children. Mm. Yeah. And I was like, I, I, I was like, hold on. <laughs> if you say that to me, then, then hood me came out. I was like, wait a damn minute. Did he just say what I think he said? And I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, this is how you look at the black community. This is how you look at us that, you know, these police officers didn't deserve to go to jail and you think that we're uneducated and that all of us don't have fathers in our lives. Like, wow. And we should, we should, you know, spend more time on that, on literature and education. And I had to stop it. I was like, I'm not going to continue to respond to this person. Obviously they're, they have something that's brewing inside of them that has to do with a black person. And this is something that, 
a lot of people don't want to talk about. And for me, I've been wanting this opportunity. I've been putting it out in the universe. I want to have a face-to-face conversation, you know, maybe even videotape with a white supremacist. I want to mm-hmm. have a conversation. And the reason why is because of the fact that I believe that in some of these situations and these comments and these things that are going on, it has to do with somebody being hurt somewhere. Mm-hmm. It has to do with a lack of education or understanding because in our lives, when we're affected by trauma or PTSD or anxiety, it usually stems from somewhere. And I honestly believe a lot of the racism that's out there, not all of it, but majority of it could be eliminated if we have a conversation and get to the root of why certain people feel the way they do about the black community. But these comments, honey, they need to stop. They honestly, it's, it's so harmful. It's super harmful. But where do we draw the line between, you know, wanting to help and educate and feeling like it's just too much of a responsibility? You know, for those people who are leaving the comments, like there's a very good chance, you know, I, I totally hear your point in saying they may not be ready for this information. They may not want to change, but it's also possible that no one has been willing to try. And so is that, does that feel like an unfair responsibility to take on and say, you know what, maybe no one's given him an ample chance, therefore let me just have a few hours with him. Like, I I feel like that's a lot to take on. Yeah. Like sometimes I'll take it on with certain people because I'll see, I'll see their change when I post things. So I'll see the evolution of how they're maneuvering through my, through like my posts. So I'll know, okay, this person wants to get an understanding they're obviously racist but now they want to have a conversation i'll I'll look through because i've seen comments change in my posts and then they're like oh my god you're intelligent woman oh you you have children you and it's like wow like i can't be an intelligent person because i'm black Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know so people like that i'll spend the time but ignorant comments like that i'll maybe one or two comments i'll I'll respond and depending on how they respond to me is if I'm going to take that time, that moment, because I believe if I can affect and impact one person and take that hour or two to have a conversation, if they're open to it, mm-hmm. they can maybe impact somebody else. So it could be a domino effect, but I can't spend my time with everybody like that because there's some people, they're, just, they're not worth the time for me. They're not because you see that they don't want it. They're not ready. They're stuck in their ways. They just want to be hurtful. They want to continue to, you know, just poke people. And that's what, you know, gives them their, their, their happiness or their joy in the day, kicking somebody. And I'm not about that. Mm -hmm. So on that topic of time, I mean, I can imagine having these conversations with your network, with your friends responding to comments. I mean, this is, this is a time consuming job. This like, this like an actual job. I mean, how does that impact what you, what you did, you know, from your nine to five or nine to nine or whatever your work (laughs) schedule was before, before all this went down? Well, you know, it, it, it's challenge. It's very challenging because, of course, being an advocate, it's. I tell people it's a full-time job that sometimes it pays extremely well, and sometimes it doesn't pay at all because you have you're putting your your blood, sweat, and tears and your passion into something, and that's one of the reasons what pushed me to start my nonprofit and then take my nonprofit and register it as a charity because I said like this, I can put out things to educate people. I I don't have to be one person trying to change things. I can actually put out information. Other people can help put out this information so I can focus on other work because I do now I I get hired on the side to do a lot of work for companies and businesses that want to learn how to deal with people in the mental health community, how to advertise properly. And now people have reached out for the black community. Like how do we advertise something that's not going to come across crass? 
to this community. So my, my job as an advocate and an activist does have, um, you know, moments where it pays really well because companies, when they reach out, they're like, okay, we need to change our marketing strategy. We need to change this. How can we do it? Mm -hmm. So, but the other aspect of answering comments, bro, that, listen, that's just me going there and saying, let me see what I can do to change the world. (laughs) But it's time consuming. It is. It really, really is. But it's a part of, you know, it's a part of when you're either an influencer or a public figure when you're on social media. And, you know, it changed a lot. When I was verified, it changed everything. All of a sudden, everybody was always coming at me. And I was like, whoa, I need time now because this is too much. You know, it was becoming a thing where I felt like I had to answer everything, every message, every question, every. And then I was like, no, 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 Lana, you don't have to do that. You can actually take time, walk away and only answer the people who are close to you or give them your cell phone number, the people who are close that you communicate more with. So you can take time away. So it, it does become much. And I have learned how to say, I'm not answering this. I'm walking away because I don't need this as my full-time job. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, those boundaries mm-hmm. are super important, especially because the work that you do requires so much of your heart and your brain power. I mean, it's not just something you clock out of at the end of the day. Nope, not at all. And sometimes my days are long, sometimes between the children and the household and, you know, managing everybody's schedules. And now, thank goodness, everybody's finished school now, so I don't have to homeschool anymore. (laughs) But (laughs) because that was like a whole other thing onto my schedule. But it's, I've had to learn how to say no and say yes to myself. I've had to learn how to create boundaries and now I'm just learning how to reestablish things and say, okay, I'm going to put out messages on my platform and put, you know, uh, post maybe videos. Uh, maybe I'm going to post, you know, write something just to answer questions. If I've received a lot of comments and I don't know how to answer it and I can't do it individually, that's how I'll do it. And I'm, my charity is there for that too. Like I'm regrouping things with my team because I need to be able to create impact and to change things, but I need, you know, I need people to help out with that. Everything, I have conversations with people that are like, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this, uh, single mothers, single fathers that reach out to me, and they're like, I don't know what to do, and I'm, I'm just, even in the Black community, I have had so many emails um, come to me, and they're like, I don't know what to do with my son, my daughter, my daughter, she's scared, my, and I had an email from a woman, the daughter is like eight years old, and she's petrified, she saw police, and she ran home crying. She just saw the police. The police didn't do anything to her. So I'm realizing, I'm like, wow, there is such a huge demand for thing, for mental health, me being a mental health advocate, and I've lived this life living with my mental illness. I'm like, I need to be able to help people. That's why my team and I were restructuring everything for the charity to be able to create more programs to help more people, especially those who may be affected by job losses or whatever it may be financially hit. We want to be able to take care of paying for their private services. What is it like as someone who's living with mental illness to be at the forefront of such an important change, to be doing such incredible work and to be living in the public eye? I mean, at times it's, it's, it feels like it's a lot. It can be overwhelming at times. However, I've gone through so much in my life and I've learned how to, you know, build a thicker skin, have more resilience in my life that, I look at things and I'm like, okay, wow, a lot of people are feeling lost right now. And I take myself back to when I first was diagnosed with a mental illness and how I felt when I didn't know before that and how I was living my life. And I had no idea, but I knew something was wrong. So I put myself back there in order to help others. And when I see that I'm able 
to have conversations and impact and make sense of it and lead them in the right direction and what they can do that will help them. It makes me feel good that I'm able to help help people that are really feeling, you know, a little bit all over the place right now because it makes you feel that way. It makes you feel scattered. Some people don't even realize that they're going through depression or anxiety and then you point things out when they talk to you and I'm like, you're depressed, sweetheart, or you're 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 anxious, you're having high anxieties. And that aha moment that they have, like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that. And I just thought I was just, you know, feeling a little sad. It, it feels good to be able to help others, honestly. How do you differentiate, you know, what is appropriate for an advocate to step in and, and help kind of continue that conversation and be a support versus knowing when it's important for them to seek therapy? I always assess their situation. I ask them just from personal experience um, what, how they're feeling. I always, the first thing I always ask, do you feel like harming yourself? Have you thought of harming yourself? And if they say yes, I tell them immediately to go seek help, to go call 911, go to the emergency room immediately. Don't even try to get an appointment with a private therapist. Literally just go to the emergency room of the mental health hospital we have. Or if, you, if it's from somebody from a different city, I tell them, go to your local mental health hospital, go to the emergency. Because at that point, as an advocate, there's nothing that I can do because they've already gone so far that they're already in their dark state of mind. Right. So if I have somebody who's like, I think I'm getting depressed, Savannah, I've been feeling like, you know, I don't want to get out of bed and I don't want to this, I'll go through talking to them. And sometimes just a, a conversation that they weren't able to have with someone because they were bottling up emotions or they felt like they would be judged was enough. Sometimes me telling somebody, go work, try and work out, go for a walk, get some fresh air, you know, create a schedule for yourself. Sometimes that's where my, my mental wellness coaching kicks in. And I believe at the very least, if we're at home and we can't see them, I think we should be, rather than just getting on the phone to hear their voice, I think it's important to pick up the phone and say, you know what, I'm going to FaceTime you tomorrow morning. So get ready for me. I always tell my bestie that I'm like, I don't care what you look like because it's me, but I need to see your face. And sometimes mm -hmm. she giggles or I giggle when she tells me the same thing because it's important. It's like that connection of, oh, my friend misses me. She just wants to see my face. You know, mm -hmm. it's extremely important to find a new way of connecting in these times because this isolation will create a lot of depression and anxiety. And then we start going back into our thoughts and then even projects that people want to do, we'll start questioning, should I do this project? Should I invest in this? Oh my goodness, why should I do this? Why? And then fear starts creeping in and then more depression. And it becomes such a roller coaster of emotions because it is a very different time. And even when I see people kind of going back to normal life, I'm like, hey, people, COVID's still out there. We need to understand that there are a lot of people who are choosing to stay at home more. Mm -hmm. And we have to understand that they may be having a harder time. So I just say as a friend, reach out to the friends that you know how their demeanor regularly is. Like I know a lot of my friends that I can, there's something that I can usually, I can tell, I can hear it. Even people that I don't know that well, that I see their social media, I guess it's a cue that I've picked up over, the, over time with mental health. But just check in, you know, just check in, have that little chit chat, connect, FaceTime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, connection is really, it's so, it's so important. And I think we have, you know, so I'll speak for myself, actually, I have felt a lot of the new connections anyway, are really value based. It's about, you know, I, I saw this video, or I read your book, or watched the talk, or whatever it is. And like, and, and I appreciate it. And it's great. And it's like, it's nice, but it, it is very, it's very transactional. I saw this, I saw value in that, therefore, I'd like to connect. Or I saw that you know this person, I'm looking to meet this person, I'd like to connect. 
and, mm-hmm. and that's business and that's fine, but it has been, um, you start to feel it when you're lacking connection, when those are the only types of connection, when those are the only types of connection that I'm getting, I'm starting to feel the lack of genuine, just kind of hang back with a glass of water or wine or kombucha <laughs> and connect, you know, and just invent and laugh and without having to be on, without having to perform, without having to necessarily add value at all times and just be. I feel you on that, girl. Trust me, I get messages sometimes and I'm like, can't we just kick back and have a glass of something to drink and just mm-hmm. have a conversation and be ourselves? Like, put on some sweats, maybe put on a little lipstick because we feel like it, you know? <laughs> and pretend that we're out at a fancy restaurant in our PJs and just chill and talk, you know? Yeah, definitely missing it. Definitely missing it. You're someone that, you know, we're, we're talking about how this is all kind of hitting us and some of the, the aftermath. And even before COVID, even before Black Lives Matter, you have been this pillar of strength. And even more so this year, I am just seeing you in a completely new light because you, you maintain that same vibe of can't we just chill and can't we just talk while also (laughs) talking about life altering changes that we have the power to make (laughs) that's me that's me that sums me up like when people want to know me is because a lot of people want to they have they've been asking me this recently like can we get to know you and some people recently found me on tiktok and they're like oh my god you're funny i'm like yeah people don't know that about me unless they've been close to me Mm -hmm. because i'm somebody who's a goofy person i do like i'll be at home i'll get into different characters and I'll put on wigs and glasses and I'll start dancing and speaking in different dialect. Like I am a completely insane goof. And I love people it. don't see that. People don't see that about me. And I'm like, when they see some of my TikToks, I'm like, girl, you funny as hell. I'm like, that's a side of me that I'm, I'm now realizing that I was always afraid to show other people who didn't know me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I'm going to show that because I'm all about keeping it real. But me, I'm let's chill. Let's talk. When it comes down to business and nitty gritty, we can get down to business. But when it's time to just, just relax, like we can't always be on. It's, it's, it comes across so fake and disingenuous. When we always have to be, you know, like let's be on. You can't. Mm-hmm. Life is not always like life, camera, action. Let's be. We need moments to regroup and be down to earth and just be goofy and silly. Kick back, laugh, enjoy life. This is what is so key in stable mental health and and having a good life is being able to say you know what I don't care what anybody's gonna think about me today I'm gonna wear my sweat I'm gonna maybe just put on lipstick if I feel like it I'm gonna wear my flip-flops and I'm just gonna chill like this I may even go take a walk like this you know (laughs) I don't care (laughs) I'm laughing because I went out the other day to get lunch and I I mean really questionable attire like (laughs) Baggy sweats. Oh, if you beat me, what did you wear? (laughs) Oh gosh, it was I think a a t-shirt from high school for my Europe trip that had the full itinerary on the back with oversized sweatpants, which must be at least ten years old and have paint stains, with flip flops and a fanny pack because I didn't have any pockets (laughs) for my husband. Next next time, take a picture because that (laughs) is priceless. These are the moments. You, I always tell people that I coach, take a picture in your goofiest attire that you stepped out where you were just like, you know what? I'm living my best life. I'm going to go out like this. I don't care. And put it somewhere where you can see it either on your desk or somewhere. I have to do that. I have to update mine. My went out 
in my in my leopard I have a leopard print onesie I think I took a picture in it once and I posted it on I've Instagram seen it, on my yeah. stories yeah I went out like that my fanny pack and my flip-flops so honey okay. and I had my big bougie sunglasses on and because I felt like it I was like oh I'm feeling like Eartha Kitt vibes I'm gonna put on some red lipstick I was like wow <laughs> I think, you know, that's fashion. I think if I saw you, I'd been like, man, she knows what's up, but there's no way my look could have been <laughs> fashionable. You can make it fashionable. Do you know there's a brand that sells sweats and jeans with pink splotches on it for thousands of dollars? Uh, maybe, but a, a, high school, a high school t-shirt is really hard to pull off. I don't know. My daughter's been asking me for my old t-shirts. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, it's retro. I'm like, wow, I'm old then. <laughs> this is retro. Oh, you vintage know, and retro. Yeah, I was, I, I just realized that, or just realized not too long ago, I discovered that um, cars become vintage at 25 years old. And I was like, that is a sad fact. <laughs> I've been vintage for some time. In car oh, years. Trust me. I know, you know, I'm like, wow, okay. Shoot, I'm beyond vintage, apparently. <laughs> oh, collectible, we're collectibles. Yeah, we're collectible items. Okay, we're like we like fine wine. We get better with age, honey. That's it. Oh my gosh, I love that we can laugh about this, and I love that you know, we got to to tease some of your goofy side here because, admittedly, it's not a side I've seen a ton from you either. No, I'm I'm trying to show it more because I, I'll be honest with you. I'm trying to, I made a list, you know, when, before we did the podcast and, you know, we were having a conversation when you sent me the email, I'm looking and I'm like, hmm, is there something I don't want her to talk about? I'm like, no, she's going to talk about everything. Ask me whatever. I don't care. No, because that's who I am. I don't like for people to feel limited in what conversations we can have because I want to be open, but the I've had a huge fear for a long time to be goofy in front of people who don't know me that well. It was kind of like, you know, that comfort zone of, okay, these are my close friends. I can be like a complete fool and they're still going to love me tomorrow, you know? Right. <laughs> and then the few people that did see me that way that barely know me are like, no, no, we need to see that more often. So I'm slowly kind of, you know, dipping my, getting my toes wet in it first before I just <laughs> leap into the pool. But you'll be seeing more of it, definitely. <laughs> Where do you think that fear stemmed from? I there was always this thing of having to be perfect. You know, growing up, my mother was always like, "Be yourself, be who you are." Because I was a very shy child. I was very quiet, very shy, not outspoken. It took me years to to be able to voice my opinion when it came to anything. That's and then shocking. when I did, you know, you see, <laughs> have a conversation with my mom. She will tell you, and she tells people that. She's like, "I'm shocked." I'm like. No, I was really, really shy. It took me forever. In certain respects, I'm still shy when it comes to certain things. And I think it's more, sometimes my husband's like, I think it's more shy-based than being fear-based when it comes to your goofiness. I'm like, maybe it is. I don't know, but it depends. But it stems from when I started getting into the modeling world, I felt like I had to be on all the time. I had to be perfect all the time because, you know, when you're going on go-sees and they want to see you, you have to be professional. And I started modeling at such a young age that I was like, I have to just be perfect and I have to be on. And I went to events and, you know, when you go to nice events where you have to dress nicely, you feel like, oh, I have to be on all the time. I have right. to be proper and proper etiquette. Cause my mother was like, proper etiquette is a must. I'm like, mm, okay, gotta, you know, shine her up a little bit. <laughs> you don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. And then with age, it became a thing where I was like, no, I can't show that side of me. And previous to my husband, now my, <laughs> ex-relationship <laughs> um 
he was very about not allowing me to be myself. And it got to a point where I felt badly for mm -hmm. being goofy or being funny. It was like, it was frowned upon because, oh, you have to be, you know, always put together. And so it kind of stayed in my mind. And then when I left that relationship, thank God, uh, <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. Honey. <laughs> <laughs> that's about relationships. Um, I realized that I don't have to be that way anymore. I can actually be goofy. I can be who I am. I can be me because people love me for who I am, just me being me. So that's where that fear comes from, honestly. I can totally relate on, on so many levels. I took myself seriously for far too long. Um, we didn't have, I don't think we had the same story, but that saying like the, the seed of you need to be on and proper was planted at a young age. And to be honest, I don't even know where it came from because mm -hmm. my family are like pretty lighthearted. They don't take themselves too seriously. And I was just so afraid, so afraid of making mistakes, so afraid of looking stupid, so afraid of being laughed at. And I kept myself small for so long, so, so long. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really grateful. Must have been around college where I was just, I was dating this really goofy guy. And I so admired his ability to just be himself, no matter what room we were in, no matter who he was meeting or where we were at. And no one found him obnoxious or inappropriate. It was just like, he was, he was fun. He was fun to be around. And it kind of almost gave me permission in a sense to start exploring that side of myself, which I'm really happy that I've tapped into because it was just like boring <laughs> before. Oh girl, I feel you. I'm like, but the thing is my family has so much footage of me doing stupidity behind the scenes that <laughs> Same. I was always doing it. Okay. But it was just like around other individuals. I was like, I'm not doing that in front of them. They're going to be like, Oh my Lord, where did this girl drop out from? Like, you know, <laughs> But, but it's funny because I have a family who's the same. My children are extremely goofy. So when people meet my children, they're like, where the hell did they get this from? Mm. You know? And then they see me coming out of, and the kids kind of nudge me out of my shell. And then they're like, oh, we, we understand where they got this from. Okay. It's you. And then I have my husband who he has an ability to be very goofy and he has a childlike, like innocence to him sometimes where he relates in different ways that I'm like, Oh, I can be like that too. I can act like a kid and still be 42 years old. It's okay. You know, like <laughs> it's fine. It's okay to have fun. It's okay to be silly and not care. So I'm slowly, it's like, I'm slowly, like I said, feet, little toes are going in first and little by little, you know, people are going to start even seeing more of that in my social media because I want people to see all levels of who I am, not just, mm -hmm. you know, the go. Uh, you know, she's going to go after what she believes in and protesting. And I want people to see a side of me that is lighthearted and that'll make them laugh. I don't want people to just cry all the time and be like, oh my God, I felt that. And she, she just, no, I want them to laugh. I want them to cry because they're laughing so damn hard. <laughs> you know? I love that. I really do. And what I think is so apparent to me anyway, I mean, whether I've, I've seen the videos of you protesting, I've seen the raw emotion in your face and in your voice and I hear the joy and the laughter in your voice when you're talking about being in your leopard onesie and it's such opposite ends of the spectrum but such good examples of your strength on both sides in all of you that you bring to the table at all times and if there was one person woman in particular that I would 
use her name synonymously with, with strength and resilience, it would be you. Oh, thank you, girl. <laughs> Seriously, I just think that you bring it to every conversation, to every event, to every project, to every live. You lay it on the table and you tell it like it is. And it's something I really respect about you. And I know that the, the resilience that you exhibit is looked up to by many. And for those who are looking to be a little more resilient in their life, is there something that you do, whether it's a daily practice or, or a mindset hack or something that we can apply in our own lives? Oh, most definitely. And, you know, this has been, I think it's, the, it's where I dig deep. And I'll, what I do is I usually set a moment where at least most four days out of the week, I wake up earlier than I normally do. I already wake up 5.30, which is early, but I'll wake wow. up at 5 a.m. Yeah, I've been waking up at 5.30 in the morning um, for the past 20-something years now. Some days I'll kind of, during COVID, I've slept in, which is like 6.30, you know, <laughs> but um <laughs> I set an alarm to wake up early, earlier and I'll go outside, whether it's on my patio or taking a walk in my backyard and I'll grab my coffee and I have conversations with the universe and myself. And I ask the universe every day to continue to give me strength every single day to help me through my life to guide me and to be able to show me the way anytime I feel lost. Um, I'm a very spiritual person. I, you know, I believe in the universe. I believe in God and I really dig deep into my soul. And I, I always ask for that strength because I believe that it comes from somewhere beyond just me as a human being. I always believe there's something more than that because sometimes the moments of resilience that I have, I can't even believe at certain moments that I'm that capable of pulling myself out of certain feelings or, or mindsets. The other thing is that I tell myself that I am worthy to, I am worthy for good things in life and I am worthy to go through these bad things that will make me a greater person later on. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people, they, they want to build resilience and they don't want to see the bad. They're like, oh, I just want to be good and I want to get out of this and I want to get the strength. And you have to accept the bad and allow it to enter and say, you know what? Okay, I'm going through this right now. It's a learning experience, but I know that I'm going to get through this. I believe in myself. So these are the things I say. I'm worthy. I believe in myself. I always have affirmations of trusting myself, trusting the universe, trusting God, putting all of that out and preaching this to myself and allowing me to, to feel it. Like, cause you know, we talk about manifestation and changing your mindset, but I, we can say the words, but I tell people, say it slowly. If you have to sit down and close your eyes, I want you to feel it to the point it gives you those, you know, those flutters when you first get something that makes you happy or somebody that you fall in love with, those mm -hmm. little flutters. That's the state of mind you need to get into and say, you know what? I can do this. I will get out of this. I need to trust myself. Because at the end of the day, the only person that can pull you out of any bad situation is you. You have to trust yourself and turn your fear into faith. Oof. Ooh, there's the flutters. <laughs> there they are. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow. Thank you so much for sharing your incredible insight. It's my pleasure, honestly. It's such a pleasure having these conversations. I thank you for always wanting to have these conversations. I'm like, let's go, girl. Let's let's dig deep. <laughs> we have just begun to scratch the surface of advocacy, of activism, of 
being in control of our mindset. How can people find you if they would like to learn more? Well, definitely the easiest way to find me is on Instagram. Um, but all my social handles are the same because it's easier to find me, which is at the real Svetlana. Um, my website is the same at the as the real Svetlana.com. And uh, even if you type in the real Svetlana, I just I wanted to make it easier for everybody to find me rather than how do you spell that girl's first and last name? So just <laughs> at the real Svetlana and you'll find me. <laughs> Perfect. I'll make sure to put those handles in the show notes. And how about your charity? Is the website up yet? It's coming up, but they, they can go on Instagram and follow Welcome to My Everyday. The website is, uh, we're just making a few little adjustments that we felt that was needed in two new programs that we want to bring out. And we're going to be launching in uh, right on Canada Day. So look wow. out for it. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm so happy about it. So July 1st, it'll be www.welcometomyeveryday.com. Amazing. It will be ready. (laughs) Svetlana, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Catalyst with Samantha Chris. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I hope you're feeling a little more equipped to lean into the unknown and take inspired action.